Thursday, July 7th, welcome to the Just Baseball Show. I'm Peter Apple, and I'm joined by Ryan Finkelstein, one of the main managing editors at Just Baseball. I was going to give you a bunch of titles, but he also hosts Locked on Mets, writes a bunch of articles for us here at JustBaseball.com. And I'd ask you how you're doing, but how about how are the Mets doing? Because you have a Mets poster behind you. So, and, you know, we've asked, how are my units? Because generally that's what kind of controls my mood. And I assume how the Mets are doing controls your mood. So how are you and how are the Mets? Doing good, man. You know, this is like the Locked on Mets studio. Can't really change it when I hop on the JV show. And yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, as much as I'm getting a little bit worried about the Mets offense, I just watched Max Scherzer pitch again last night, and that makes me feel pretty uh, pretty good right now. Okay, but the Mets still have this problem against left-handed pitching. Nick Lodolo then made his return, and they still couldn't hit him. Talking about units, that's been one of my favorite bets this year, is betting against the Mets with a left-handed pitcher on the mound. But besides that, because that could be kind of gimmicky, because you don't expect a lot of these right-handed bats to continue to perform no, not as actually. well against I do, actually. Oh, I you do. do? So tell us about yeah. that. They got a J.D. Davis problem. The Mets have had a J.D. Davis problem for years, and I did actually write an article, uh, you know, for just baseball about J.D. Davis and basically how his advanced metrics are deceiving because as much as it's great that he hits the ball hard more than anyone in baseball, when you hit line drives directly at the center fielder, that's an out. So that doesn't really do much for you. And he's been awful against lefties, and they keep putting him out there. He has reverse splits. Another article I wrote uh, is about mm. promoting Mark Vientos. Keep pumping. And it's time. It's time, man. They got to call up Mark Vientos. He's the answer, in my opinion, at DH. He would fix uh, some of those problems against left-handed pitching because we know he has crazy pop. Uh, I-, I think that's the move right now. But, yeah, that's that's the one thing that, that I see right now. It's that DH spot that's kind of been a problem all year. And we're going to talk about the Mets, and then we're going to get into some of the All-Star finalists because the All-Star roster will be announced on Friday, hearing this on Thursday. So we're going to kind of give you the lowdown of who is making it so far and who are a couple of snubs that we thought to ourselves, well, the fans do all the voting, but these guys are actually better players than some of the players that the fans are voting. But let's start with the Mets right now because you just wrote a great article on Taiwan Walker diving into who he is as a pitcher and what he's changed this offseason. And it starts with the slider. It actually starts with the splitter. <laughs> splitter. What am I talking about? It's all good. But yeah, I'll tell you, it's kind of the reverse of what I was just talking about J.D. Davis, right? This is a pitcher that I think a lot of us who look at advanced metrics go, okay, this guy's he's going to regress. The numbers aren't sustainable. But I did a deep dive to try to figure out. And what we saw is you look at the splitter usage. Last year, he's using it 14.2% of the time. When I wrote the article, which is about a week ago, that had been bumped up to 29.6% of the time. So he's doubled the usage of that pitch. Batters against his splitter are hitting 151 with a 179 slugging percentage. And the biggest thing is the ground ball rate. This year, when he throws that splitter, batters are hitting 
uh, ground balls 73% of the time against the splitter. So his ability to use that pitch to get the ball on the ground, they have good defense behind him with Lindor, Louis Guillaume, Jeff McNeil. That's really been kind of why he's been so successful. And right now, he's been the best starting pitcher in this Mets rotation. I mean, obviously Scherzer was out, and then they got Scherzer back. He you know, becomes the ace again. But Taiwan Walker was better than Chris Bassett, better than Carlos Carrasco, and, and better than some of those back-end guys too, obviously. And it's important to talk about Taiwan Walker right now because the Mets rotation is completely depleted, Ryan. It's completely depleted. Jacob DeGrom what? is still not back. At least Max Scherzer is now back, but Chris Bassett is again on the shelf. And they're getting good performances out of David Peterson. We're recording on Wednesday to be released on Thursday. We'll see how he fares against the Reds in Great American Ballpark. But the Mets are still keeping afloat. They're four and six, five and five. I'm not sure. I don't have the standings right in front of me, but they're playing about 500 ball right now. But we just talked about the Phillies yesterday. We talked about how great the Braves have been. And even the Marlins are sitting at 39 and 40. Is Are you worried at all? Because the biggest comment that I've been getting lately on the TikTok, on the DMs, are the Mets metting. Because the Mets have fallen into some traps in previous years. We know that as Mets fans, if you're listening to this, you understand. But this team still does feel different to me. This team still feels like the best team in the NL East, even though I think the Braves are right there. You're not forecasting Mets being metting, are you? I'm not. And here's the thing I'll say, you know, Scherzer came back last night with Scherzer this season. The Mets were 25 and 14 without him, They were 25 and 16. So to, to keep themselves afloat without their ace, uh, that says a lot about what this team has done. But trust me, you look at the offensive numbers first two months of the season. It was basically Dodgers Mets best two offenses in all of baseball. Since then, the Mets are ranking probably in the in the 20s in most categories. So the offense has fallen off a lot. Brandon Nimmo has struggled a little bit. Lindor has really come back down to earth. So they're still getting Pete Alonzo and, and Jeff McNeil, good contributions from those guys. Starling Marte as well, really the three guys as we get into the all-star conversation that really factor in. But the rest of the lineup is struggling. So we got to see if, if a Marcana, Eduardo Escobar, some of these guys pick it up a little bit. I'm not panicking just yet. But would I be surprised at all if at some point this season the Atlanta Braves had a day or two or a week even in first place? Not at all. The Braves are a really good team. I think both of them are playoff teams this year. And Great. it really is anyone's division, in my opinion. Okay. I want to talk to you about Francisco Lindor for a second because we're about to talk about some all-star finalists. And Francisco Lindor was not voted on by the fans. And he certainly shouldn't get voted on by anybody because he just hasn't been an all-star. But yet he's making perennial MVP type money. Of course, he can pick it with no, no reservations there. But at the plate, you've now seen him every day for, you know, one and a half seasons. Who is he as a hitter? I think the reality of Francisco Lindor is he got paid top dollar because you look at war and everything else. And in his career in Cleveland, he was the best shortstop in baseball. And so he, he commanded top dollar. You got Steve Cohen as the owner. You're going to pay that. You look at his career. I talked about this with you before, and I remember you being surprised. His career WRC plus is 117. This year it's 114. Mm. He kind of is what he is. You know, he's going to hit his home runs. He's going to give you, you know, pretty decent at bats. He's still walking close to a 10% clip. Look, he's not this incredible offensive player that can carry you. He had the, you know, one season, 2018, 2017 was pretty good too. But I think that, what people expect from Lindor and what he's been, I, I think there's maybe something there that doesn't quite meet up. The reality is I watched Wilmer Flores start at shortstop for this team. I always go back to that. 
And look, the guy defensively is incredible. And yeah. I think we also forget at times how important that is. If you want to be a really good team, having an awesome defensive shortstop, that makes a big difference. So what he's doing on that side is always going to make him a winning player for the Mets. But granted, you want a little bit more. You want the guy that in the first month of the season was carrying the Mets. And that's why they had a, a top two offense in baseball, because Lindor was playing like that guy that you would expect making that money. Are you disappointed? No. No, not at all. I can't even say that with a completely straight face. That's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah, no, trust me. I, I get like w- when they first got him, you you wanted a little bit more. And, and so in that respect, a little bit disappointed. But I still think that the Mets could do a hell of a lot worse at shortstop than Francisco Lindor. And I don't look at him as a problem or the problem. Right now, he's one of the contributing members to the issue. But I think that he'll heat up again. And you're going to still see stretches where he can carry you. And you can't say that about everybody. You know, uh, Isaiah Connor for cannot carry the Yankees offensively for two weeks. Lindor can. So that's the difference to me. Isaiah Connor for can't hit at all. And it's actually funny. Isaiah Connor for defense has not been that great this year either. I think the Yankees should start moving off him. He seems to be more of a role player rather than the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees. But this ain't about the New York Yankees because at this point, the Mets, I was being a little bit negative, kind of trying to drive some points home because we did talk about the greatness of Taiwan Walker, at least recently. But, you know, I kind of went at you at Francisco Lindor just because he's making more money than most players in the sport, but he's not performing as one of the overall best players in the sport. But at the end of the day, the Mets are 50 and 31. They still have the best run differential in their division. Not by much though. Plus 59 for the Mets, plus 58 for the Braves and plus 56 for the Phillies. So they're still 50 and 31. They're still one of the best teams in baseball. That's kind of why I call them the most underrated best team in baseball. It's a weird phrase to call them, but I almost feel like they aren't getting their due. Who else on the Mets is not getting their due? Because to be 50 and 31 when DeGrom hasn't played, Scherzer's been out, Bassett is now out. There have been injuries all across this team, but yet they're 50 and 31. Who's not being talked about enough? The, to me, it's Jeff McNeil. It's got to be Jeff McNeil. Here's a guy who's been so consistent this year. He's hitting 319, 139 WRC plus, 377 on base percentage. And the, the, the fact that you can play him in left field, right field, second base, even third base if you really wanted to, and he's Good giving enough. you above average defense, that's huge to unlock so many combinations of this roster. There's times where they, they want to, you know, bench Mark Canna for a day and they throw McNeil out and left and they, you know, put Louis Guillorme at second base and you have this unbelievable double play combination up the middle with Guillorme and Lindor. There's other times where McNeil's the starting second baseman. They have that outfield the way they like it. So he's really the underrated player. But if we're talking about what drives the Mets, Pete Alonso is what drives the Mets. I mean, he's, yeah. he is the offense and really he's gone through not even a prolonged struggle, but in the last couple of days, when we see his back cool off, the lineup just looks a little bit different. I'll give you 30 seconds about Luis Guillorme because Luis Guillorme is damn excited. I mean, we always knew he could pick it, but why is he hitting so well? What is going on with Luis Guillorme? Uh, dude, you know what's sad about this? So, so yesterday on my show, I was, I was looking at the first two months, like I'm talking about, and since June, how the offense has gone down. And it was really sad to me as a, as a huge Guillorme stand. I've been saying this guy should start every day since 2020. To have to point out that he was hitting like 365 in the first two months of the season with like a 160-something WRC+. And since June, his WRC+, is 50. 
Mm. Uh, that was a little rough for me to have to say that. But, yeah, the offense has gone down for him a little bit. Defensively, though, the guy is ridiculous. But also, at some point, number you know, numbers are numbers. Guys are going to go through bad months. Are you still yeah. seeing good at bats from Luis Guillaume? Because that's, I feel like, something that he'll always deliver, whether he's, you know, getting a base hit or a double or just lining out or something like that. When you're talking about yeah. J.D. Davis, the lineouts, at least he's hitting the ball hard. Sometimes that's all you can ask from a player. Are you seeing that from Guillaume, or are you more seeing, all right, that's why he's a bench guy. Here's what I like about Guillaume. He, he strikes out this year, his strikeout rate 13.6%. Uh, if you're talking about like a, an eighth hitter in a lineup or a ninth hitter in a lineup, he can see 11 pitches against Sandy Alcantara, foul a bunch off, then ground out. And it's only an out, but maybe that knocks Alcantara out in the seventh inning instead of the eighth inning. And that <laughs> could make a difference. So I think he still gives you good at bats. You look at his numbers for the season, he's still hitting 293 with a 363 on base percentage because he was so good early on. Uh, but to expect him to, to carry your offense or, or to be a huge contributor, he's a cock. He'll pass the, the line a little bit. He'll draw his walks. He'll get his tits. Um, and at times, you know, he can maybe come through with runners in scoring position. But he's not obviously – you're not starting Yorme because of his offense. You're starting him because of his glove. And I'll tell you, the impact he brings you defensively is way more than any little bit of a difference that you might get right now from starting a J.D. Davis at DH or something to, to force Guillaume out of the lineup. Like, to me, the defense right now, considering what's on the roster, you got to play him every day. But if they say call it Mark Vientos and he starts tearing the cover off the ball, and so at that point, maybe that would push him back to the bench, I think that could be the long-term answer here. Jacob DeGrom will return soon. He's been dominating single a hitters which i just never understand too arm had a great point it's almost like he's being a dick like he's being an asshole like what are you doing you're throwing 103 miles an hour in single a against <laughs> 18 girls just unfair it's almost like a joke at this point they honestly might as well just have him throw a bullpen like you don't even need the, those batters standing there it means nothing put like cardboard out there yeah it's they like one of those no wood chance. planks wood and one planks poor guy got there. hit too he faced ah. six batters struck out five and hit some poor kid in the ankle with a slider and speaking about the Mets minor leagues, you talked about Mark Vientos, who is probably the most major league ready bat that the Mets have in, in their farm system. But another guy who's making noise, as he should be, and MLB Pipeline just updated their top 100, and he's right there at the top. He's actually number two to Riley Green. But if you take Riley Green out because he's playing center field for the Tigers, Francisco Alvarez is the best prospect, according to them. I'm waiting for ARMS update because that's the update that I care about more. Just yeah. because genuinely, you know what? I think it's better. For anyone listening, I think it's better. It better. And But he's going to have Francisco Alvarez at the top or number two. Consensus top prospect in baseball is Francisco Alvarez a guy who maybe you would prefer over Vientos or is Vientos doing that well where you're saying let Alvarez stay in the minors because he is 20 21 years old and he hasn't had as much time as Vientos has so the, the funny thing is when you said the most MLB ready hitter I actually, in a weird way, think if you had to put one of them in a game right now, like let's just say for my life, I need one of them in a game right now to get a hit. I'm picking Francisco Alvarez, but wow. he's 20 yeah, and he's just got promoted. Mark Vientos has now had probably over 70 games at AAA. I think that it just makes more sense to promote Vientos and not rush Alvarez. But I also do believe that there is a chance we see him this season. Going into spring training, Francisco Alvarez said, I want to be on the big league club this year. And all of us laughed at him. He said, come on, man, you're not going to make it out. Like you're 20. You haven't even, you know, played in double A yet. 
let's let's calm down but then he goes out in double a and he hits 18 home runs in 67 games and he slugs over 550 he had a 148 wrc plus and here he is in competition going up against 24 year olds and he's dominating and look the bats there to me if you want to make alvarez the dh tomorrow the mets are a much better team but it's more about making sure that here's a guy that could be the top prospect in baseball like you said by arms midseason update you don't want to just just force him up because of need especially when even though we're talking about you know some struggles here with the Mets it's not like they haven't been still winning almost every single series they play so if it's not broke don't fix it that's what I've been saying about the Mets it's there's been a ton of problems but at the end of the day they're 50 and 31 by record they're still one of the best teams in baseball without Jacob deGrom without Max Scherzer for an extended period losing a guy like Chris Bassett losing Tyler McGill, which not enough people are talking about when he was pitching, he was great. Will he continue this incredible stretch where he's throwing 97, 98? Maybe not, but they don't need him to be an all out ace. They need him just to do what he was doing. And when he comes back into the fold, that's just another arm who could be a big addition for the Mets. But we were talking about catchers and Francisco Alvarez will probably be an all-star one day, but currently right now, if we're talking about all-stars, Wilson Contreras is your all-star finalist at catcher in the National League. And I was going through some of the snubs. You could say Dalton Varsho, I guess, but it's Wilson Contreras and it doesn't even seem that close. He's got a WRC plus over 150. And I I pointed to these stats. And it's also interesting if you check out his savant, he is one of the best DHs when we're talking about offensively, Mm -hmm. when he plays DH. And when he catches, it's not as much, but he's still clear far and away the best catcher in the national league, at least for the first half of this season. Was there anyone you kind of want to shout out because it seems like it's Wilson's he's at 65% on the ballot. Yeah. He's going to be the starter. I think a more interesting conversation uh, is one I kind of just had there, Peter, you got to start one guy at catcher and you're looking for a bat in your lineup out of the national league. And it can't be Wilson Contreras. You taking his brother, William as a bat as just a bat. See, If we're just talking about first half statistics, yes. But if we're talking about, you know, I really, really need a hit, it might still be Yachty. (laughs) Yachty? Yeah, Yachty. No, not actually Yachty. But it's funny. I was, you know, we've been talking about the Cardinals. The loss of Yachty has been big, especially on the pitching staff. Not offensively as much, but especially on the pitching staff. But Yachty's not going to be an all-star this year. You know, Varsho is still a guy who I really do like. And it's not just because of his versatility. It's because the bat is still very good, you know? So, but then again, it's Wilson Contreras. So I'd probably go Varsho, but William, if we're talking about this first half, hard not to say William Contreras. Yeah, I mean, 10 home runs in 40 games. Although that that's that's slowed down a little bit because I think yeah. he was at like nine home runs in like 28 games. So I think he's yeah. I think he's starting to tail off a bit, but it is crazy just to see those two catchers, those brothers, have been great this year so far. First base is pretty easy in the National League. Paul oh, Goldschmidt. Yeah, Pete Alonso. Oh. Yeah. oh, it is Paul Goldschmidt. It, it's funny though. Oh, I mean, on. Pete yeah, Alonso will of make course. the all-star team, but Paul Goldschmidt is having maybe the best offensive season out of anybody outside of Jordan Alvarez in the same breath as Mike Trout and Aaron Judge and all these guys. But Paul Goldschmidt's currently at 66% of the ballot, probably should be getting 100%, but I assume that What's the math there? 34% of people are on Pete Alonso because it is those two guys in the National League. But I also really do want to shout out Freddie Freeman because he's second in WRC plus in the National League. 
Yeah, you and, got you got Fred and I want to ask you as a Mets guy, you're probably gonna say Pete Alonso, but I think you could make the argument for Freddie. Uh I well, so here's the thing that you look at the war and the argument would be Freddie Freeman's got a 3.1 at F4. Uh, you got Alonso at two, but Alonso has 12 more home runs, has 19 more RBIs. Uh it's better power back. Yeah, his WRC plus a couple points better. It, it's it's splitting hairs to me. I think those are the three all-stars. To me, it's just how crazy the first base position is loaded in the National League. Because you also have Josh Bell's awesome this year. CJ oh, Crone's great. Garrett Cooper, I mean, more of a DH, but still. Christian Walker having a good season. Reese Hoskins. Matt Olson. I mean, there's nine first basemen I would look at right now. So, yeah, if they're batting cleanup for me, I'm happy. So, the first base in the NL is, in my opinion, probably the most loaded position in baseball. Agreed. And I want to shout out Reese Hoskins. He was just NL player of the week. He has caught fire like nobody's business. And everybody's talking about Kyle Schwarber for good reason. Schwarber had a couple of home runs a couple of nights ago. And, you know, I saw a tweet by Foolish Baseball. In his last 600 plate appearances, Schwarber has 48 home runs, which is kind of incredible. And he's slugging 600, hitting 250. (laughs) Schwarber's the guy, but Reese Hoskins, I just want to shout him out because he's been on fire lately. Can you? I still can't believe the Cubs non-tendered Kyle Schwarber. They, I mean, they signed Marcus Stroman. I don't know what they're doing, and it's it's a far cry away from that World Series championship. That's all it's, I got to say about the it's Chicago crazy, Cubs. Man. It's crazy. Moving on to second base in the National League, Jazz Chisholm should be the All Star in the National League, right? So here's the thing. Yeah. I would make the argument for Jeff McNeil over Chisholm. I'm looking at the numbers right now, and you look at the WRC plus, it's identical at 139. The F4 is basically identical. To me, Jazz Chisholm is the all-star starter because he is, you know, you look at the, the star part of that. Yep. Jazz Chisholm is a budding superstar. And if we're like, who's going to represent the Marlins in the all-star game? Obviously, they might have Alcantara starting it. But Chisholm has been so much fun this year. 14 home runs as a second baseman. Uh, I don't have any problem with it, but I do think that Jeff McNeil should be on the team this year. Um, and and I also be. think, I think it's crazy that, that Ozzy Albies was able to, to beat him out in the voting, but uh, that just made it a layup for Chisholm to be the starter at this point. And he, and I think Jazz should be the starter, but the reason why I asked that kind of, uh, because I do think Jeff McNeil deserves it just as much, but to that point, also Jazz Chisholm and Jeff McNeil, just a complete opposite of people. Just the absolute <laughs> complete opposite of people. Here's the thing I would say, though. If you ask me which one would I rather have as a, as a, a winning team, especially a mm. team in the playoff chase, to me it's Jeff McNeil, no doubt about it. I mean, that, that's that's the difference to me is I think Jeff McNeil, um, his versatility obviously is a different element there. But I, I think that Jeff McNeil is the type of player that uh, will be really good in the playoffs. Jazz Chisholm, I'm not saying he can't get there, but he's just really young. So I feel like at this stage of their careers, I think Jeff McNeil is a slightly better winning player, but Chisholm's the bigger star. I see what you're saying. I would offer a little bit of pushback on that. It's different when you're Jazz Chisholm and you play in Miami, an enormous ballpark. You don't have that much behind you, and it's really on you to be the star. Jeff McNeil is hitting sixth, seventh in the lineup. Sometimes he hits near the top, but generally he's a bit farther down the lineup, and not because he isn't good. He's an all-star, but just because the Mets are so loaded. I feel like it's easier to hit on the Mets. So if Jazz Chisholm was the second baseman for the Mets, we could see him performing even better. That's my only thing there. No, that's fair. That's fair. And I think, I think we honestly are you know, talking about two really good players here that um, either one could be the right answer on a given day. Uh, and obviously I have some bias that pushes me toward McNeil, 
But if we're going to have a different conversation, there's been people that will tell me Ozzy Albies is better than Jeff McNeil. And that one is one I will fight anyone on. Yeah. I mean, Ozzy Albies, well, the numbers would say that they're wrong. And, you know, Ozzy Albies has been hurt this year. It has to be Jeff McNeil. And I don't even think it's really a discussion at this point. It's Jeff McNeil and it's not even really that close. Talk to a Braves fan, though. Oh, I will. Let's talk about the Braves, though, because Dansby Swanson is going to start at shortstop. And right now he's at... 51% 51% of the vote. It's right now it's a two horse race between him and Trey Turner. And I have to apologize. You know, you guys have all heard everyone listening. My barometer on shortstop play called Dan B. Swanson an average shortstop. If you're better than Dan B. Swanson, you're above average. If you're below Dan B. Swanson, you are below average, but Dan B. Swanson has been the best shortstop in the national league, but Trey Turner has been right there. I honestly thought that Trey Turner should be in the MVP discussion at this point, because without anybody kind of noticing Trey Turner's hitting over 300. Remember, he won a batting title last year. He can do that again, and he's only going to get better there. He might be a 25-35 guy, and I'm talking about 25 home runs, 35 stolen bases. But what has put Dansby Swanson over the top is the defense, because we all knew he could hit. He's an above-average hitter. He's hitting like an elite hitter, but defense was where he was pretty good. Now he's playing an elite shortstop, so he's been great on defense, great on offense, who else at the shortstop position are you looking at as a guy who you think should make the team? Only one to me is Tommy Edmond. Uh, I mean, but but even that, I don't know if he makes it because he really has tailed off a lot from where he was early yeah. on in the season. I don't know if that was just making that switch to shortstop. Or if it just wasn't, yeah, I don't know what it was, if it maybe just wasn't sustainable. But I mean, you really look at the shortstop position, there's not much else that, that we can really talk about. I mean, it's it's kind of been Swanson, Edmond, Lindor, Turner. Uh, those have kind of been the guys all year that I think you would consider. And, and really, I think it is just Swanson and Turner at this point. I think there's probably only two, two all-star shortstops. But Dansby Swanson, dude, like that take you had, I had an identical take on Locked on that. So it's, really? uh, yeah, I'm telling you, it's it's something that I thought too. I was like, yeah, he's basically the, the type of shortstop or before this season, I thought he can be your starting shortstop on a World Series team, but he's not going to move the needle. This year, he's moving the needle, man. I, I didn't expect him to, you know, hit over 300, play great defense, hit all these home runs. He's been great. He really has been. And it's funny when we're talking about Tommy Edmond, if we're looking at war categories, Tommy Edmond is near the top. He's got a 3.4 war because man, can the dude pick it. But a 384 slugging is not going to move the needle. He's just (laughs) not hitting enough. But we're talking about stolen bases. He has 19. If we compared him to second baseman, he might be the starter in the NL in second base. But now he moved over to shortstop, so now we're comparing him to shortstops, and he's not going to get it there either. The move to shortstop might have even hurt him offensively and then hurt his chances to be an all-star starter. Kind of sucks for Tommy Edmond, but overall, still a really good player. I expect the bat to start to tick up, but he's also never been a guy who has a crazy bat. But we saw 113-mile-an-hour exit velos at the beginning of the season. We thought, whoa, is he turning a corner? Maybe not so fast. I guess that's my point. Yeah, maybe not. And, and I think you look at, at what he's done and the reality is a lot of that, that wins above replacement value has come from the glove. And if you're talking about all-star appearances, they don't generally come just based on the glove. You got to have the, the bats always kind of the first thing they look at and the glove might push you over the top. So he's had a really good season. He's been what, maybe their third most important, you know, offensive or position player outside of, you know, obviously Goldschmidt and Arenado, but um, yeah, he's definitely tailed off a lot because those numbers early in the season, offensively, he was right atop. And now it's kind of more the defense that's carrying him. 
And talking about Arenado, Arenado is a finalist and he has 49% of the vote, but the guy with 51% of the vote is Manny Machado. Manny Machado clearly deserves it. Another guy who's in the MVP conversation in the National League. If we're talking about defense, he's got it. 97th, 98th percentile an ounce above average. And we're not even talking about the bat here. One of the best bats in the National League, but it is between him and Arenado. I would clearly give it to Manny Machado at this point. I really would. But yeah. Nolan Arenado has had a fantastic season. If we're talking about the glove, Arenado's right there. So we have to look offensively. And by the numbers and in my opinion, Manny Machado has been the better offensive player this season. I tend to agree with you. Um, but to play devil's advocate for Nolan Arenado, because it's actually a lot closer than I would have expected looking at the numbers right now. He has five more home runs, 17 home runs, more RBIs. I know those aren't the stats we Machado was a little at. hurt, though, so I wasn't really looking at the counting numbers as much. Yeah, well, seven games difference between the two of them. True, um, true. So five more home runs, you know, seven more yeah. games. And, and I, I'm just looking at, you know, the WRC Plus, he's only four points behind Machado. So uh, I do agree that Machado should be the starter. I think what he did for that Padres team to carry them this season, way more important. It deserves that nod. But I don't think that there should be a massive outcry if Arenado sneaks in with the vote because he's been worthy of, of all-star, you know, for sure as well. Yeah, Machado was near the top of the war categories too, at least at third base, a little bit higher than Nolan Arenado too. So what I was yeah. looking at is just I felt that um, besides some of the counting numbers, because it is just seven games less, so Arenado does have more power at least early off in the season, but that's kind of tailed off. While Machado has just been incredibly consistent, and if we're looking at you know WRC+, plus, we're looking at ex-WOBA, we're looking at war, we're looking at a lot of these different types of numbers, Manny Machado just has the edge in every single one of them. Yeah. So that's why I lean Manny Machado at third base. But moving on to the outfield. Interesting in left field, Jock Peterson with 31% of the vote in left field. You know, it feels wrong to see him there, but you got to give him his credit. I mean, if we're looking at hard hit rates, he's right in the middle of the Jordan Alvarez's and the Aaron Judges and the Giancarlo Stanton. Your job as a hitter is to hit the ball hard and see where the ball goes. Jock Peterson hits the ball about as hard as everybody else. Who's a left fielder that you felt might've gotten snubbed in the national league? You know, I don't, the, the outfield is weird. You know, it really is like Acuna's already in. He had the most votes. And now you're talking about the two other starters. It's going to be bets. And I think the question now is who's that third outfielder. Is it going to be Peterson? Is it going to be Marte? I don't even know who the third finalist is. Um, but yeah, Jack Peterson's got a 151 WRC plus this year. And I will say that there was a series against the Mets where the guy hit like, was it four or five home runs? Yeah. That really does inflate your offensive numbers a ton, but he's been really solid. So I don't think it's a, it's a bad thing if he's the starter. That to me is the, kind of the interesting vote here because I always felt like it was going to be Betts and Acuna, but that third spot's really up for grabs. It really is up for grabs. So let's move on to a guy who could be, because we just covered basically the outfield, a guy who could have been in the outfield, but he's had a hurt elbow all year long and is now out. So even if he gets voted in, he won't be playing in the all-star game, but Bryce Harper still deserves to be the National League DH. There's a lot of good options here, but it's Bryce Harper. And I'm not going to say it's not that close, but it has to be Bryce Harper. Who else is on your mind of someone who you think deserves to be at least the DH in the National League? I'm looking right now at guys that they're categorizing as DHs on fan graphs. And I mean, obviously Wilson Contreras is already going to be the catcher. I think Bryce Harper might get the vote 
and then they might just not rep- like it could be like Pete Alonso is your starting yeah. DH or Freddie Freeman or somebody like that. I think might end up being the starting DH for the NL. The one guy I guess you would actually mention here is Garrett Cooper. Yeah, I, I don't know if he actually would get an All Star consideration, but. 315 hitter, 382 on base, 472 slugging, 143 WRC plus. He's actually stayed healthy this year. He's been pretty good as a DH. And if we're talking about what DH deserves to start, maybe it would be Cooper. But I honestly think it's just going to be the best backup of of whatever position they decide. I agree because it's an interesting conversation, right? Do you give it to the next best hitter? Maybe a Pete Alonso, maybe a Freddie Freeman, or even if Nolan Arenado doesn't start, maybe even Nolan Arenado. Giving it to Garrett Cooper, although he's been probably the second best DH in the National League, do you give it to a guy who's been worse offensively than some other guys who should slot into the DH? Because the National League, you know, we have a DH now. It is kind of an interesting discussion there. If I were making it, if it was up to me, I would give it to either Freddie Freeman or Pete Alonso at the DH position. But if they put Garrett Cooper in there, I wouldn't mind it at all because he has earned it. He has been phenomenal hitter. You said it yourself. He's in 315. Garrett Cooper, 315. He's been playing all year. He's awesome. But here's the thing, though. I don't see the Marlins having, like, three or four All-Stars. I think it's going to be Alcantara and Chisholm, and I don't, I don't think that they get him in there. So, yeah, I, I, I guess right now Pete's probably the, the starting DH. And, when it's all said and, done. and the fans aren't going to vote on the pitcher, but Sandy has to start in the National League for the All-Star game. Sandy Alcantara has to start in the National League for the All-Star game. Is there anybody else that you like there? Because Joe Musgrove has had a phenomenal season. There's a lot of NL pitchers that we could go to. But is there anybody else, especially Sandy being in your division, so you see him a lot? Would you choose anyone else, or is it clearly Sandy in your eyes? So I would clearly choose Sandy, no doubt about it. The guy's an absolute horse. I think he deserves it. I mean, the the name that I think is getting brought up right now is Tony Gonsolin. You know, he's 10 and 0. He's leading in the ERA, but Alcantara's thrown. <laughs> do you know this? How many more innings do you think Alcantara's thrown than Gonsolin this year? It's 40, right? Is it we're looking at we're looking at 121 innings? I mean, this is just off the top of my head. 121 innings, I'll guess for Alcantara, and I'm gonna guess 85 innings for Gonsolin. You were you were pretty spot on with the 40. It's 81 and two thirds for Gonsolin, 123 and a third for Alcantara. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's insane, dude. And, for, and look at the FIPS too. You yeah, know, Alcantara yeah. is slightly worse ERA, but he's got a FIP in the two eights versus Gonsolin in the three threes. That doesn't really matter for All Star voting because nobody's looking at the All Star voting and saying, "Well, the FIP." You know, I mean, that's yeah. just what I do, but that doesn't mean that you're doing that or really anybody else is. But at least for peripheral stats. Alcantara has been better than Tony Gonsolin, and he just has been better. I don't care that the ERA is slightly higher. Alcantara's going nine. He's a horse. Gonsolin's been amazing and should be on an all-star team, but it should be Sandy starting for the NL. Moving on to the American League. Let's start at catcher. Alejandro Kirk, dude, is so awesome. I mean, right now he's he's got 74% of the vote, and he definitely deserves it. But I'm going to stick up for my guy, Jose Trevino. All right? What I want you to do, Ryan... Why don't you cue that up on the fan graphs because I know you got it in front of you and just look at Jose Trevino's numbers for a second. I don't even want to talk about offense at first because I know you're going to be about to read me those stats. I think he's the best framer in baseball or at least one of them, if not top three. The way this man steals strikes at the bottom of the zone is incredible. It's incredible. And I think to you know how the Yankees starting pitching has been so amazing this year. I said it at the beginning of the year, get 
Gary Sanchez out. He cannot catch. Now you put in Jose Trevino, and I think we were all, a lot of Yankee fans were under the assumption that Kyle Higashioka was this amazing fielder because on the other side, you see Gary Sanchez, who's the absolute worst. So when Kyle Higashioka is not just fumbling the bag, it's like he's this great defender. But now we see Jose Trevino, who I think is clearly a better defender than Higashioka is. I think Higashioka is above average. I think he's a good backup. But Jose Trevino has really been that guy to assist the Yankees, not only with the pitching staff, but then on top of it, he's hitting. And he's been a big-time hitter, too. I've said this before on the Just Baseball show. If there's nobody on two outs, he's making the last out. Like, he's not getting on. But if we need a hit, Jose Trevino is getting those hits. So alert the people of how Jose Trevino has been hitting at the plate so far. Here's the thing. You're talking about an incredible defensive catcher that has a WRC plus over 100. There is not a team in baseball that does not sign up for that. that that's that's, a, that's amazing production. I did ask uh, Sam on State of the Division on Monday. I asked him if he missed watching Gary Sanchez catch. <laughs> you miss it at all? No. You're asking me? Do I miss it? Yeah, you miss I it. I shot him out of town. I think I'm one of the reasons he's gone because I was screaming in the mic every day. There's no shot Brian Cashman listens, but maybe somebody told him. I've been saying, <laughs> get this guy out of here for years. For years. I miss it, man. I've missed, I miss Gary Sanchez in a Yankees uniform. But yeah, Trevino has been great. The one guy to shout out at catcher is Jonah Heim for the Rangers. Facts. Sneaky good offensive season for him. 126 WRC plus, 12 home runs. Uh, so he's been pretty solid. But yeah, I think that if there's only going to be two catchers, I would go the, the two finalists there, Kirk and Trevino. I think those are your guys right now. I agree, but let's move over to first base because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is currently leading the vote. I love Vladdy. Vladdy is overall maybe the best first baseman in baseball. Maybe not. Maybe it's still Freddie. Maybe it's still Pete Alonso. It's Gold funny, shit. though. Gold Do you shit. know the most hated TikTok we've ever put out in terms of the comments? Read these comments back on our TikTok. Was when we put Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as the second best first baseman moving into this season. And our point was, let him do it again. That's it. Just have him do it again. And you know what? He hasn't been doing it again. And now we're talking about Paul Goldschmidt. Talking about Freddie Freeman. We're talking about Pete Alonso. We're talking about he shouldn't be the starter in the National League. Because you can make the argument, and I think both of these guys are the right answer. Luis Arise of the Minnesota Twins and Ty France of the Seattle Mariners either one of those should be your starters. And I don't think that there's a wrong answer there. I'd probably give it to France just because Luis Arise plays a bunch of different positions. The most games he's played is at first base, but he plays all over and he's going to make it somewhere else because he's in 360. But I, so I would give it to Ty France and I wouldn't give it to Vladdy. He's third, maybe fourth in the American league right now. He's been great, but he hasn't been all-star starter. He just hasn't been. Yeah, but he will be because he's a star. And that's how it works sometimes. And you know what? It's one of those things where where it's like, you know, did Derek Jeter deserve to start all those All-Star games? Probably not, but he was the biggest star in the game. Well, I know I'm talking (laughs) to you. Even especially in his last year where he hit like 230. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But sometimes, you know, the the, the stars get the preferential treatment and and, and generally deserve it. And the thing is, at least he's not having a bad season. At least we're not talking about Bo Bichette, which we'll get to and some of the other ridiculous finalists because Canada showed out in voting. I'll tell you that much. The yeah. whole country really did rally around that team. Uh, like you said, I, I think there's definitely better first basemen. 
but I don't think it's egregious that he's going to start not. the game. Cause he, at least he still has 19 home runs. Yeah. Still has over 50 RBIs. His WRC plus is 135. I mean, it, it's not, it, but you're right. There's other guys that have had better seasons and they'll get on his reserves. That's what I'm talking about. Let's move over to second base. Cause we have another star in Jose Altuve being the all-star starter, at least at this point, he has 56% of the vote and he's a star who does deserve it at this point. If we're talking offense, it's Altuve, and it's not all that close, at least in the American League. I got there have, been some, there have been some guys like Glaber Torres and, you know, even DJ LeMahieu technically qualifies at second base too. You know, there have been a good amount of good players at second base, but it's Altuve, man. Altuve deserves it once again. I got to give my guy Andres Jimenez a shout-out, though. I, I yes. mean, you know, obviously, former Met, he was the biggest piece that went in the Lindor trade. I know there's some dude in Long Island right now that's so pissed off. That's like, oh, my God, if we had Jimenez, we'd be so much better this year. Uh, trust me, I, I, I get a lot of that in some of my comments here. So Jimenez, though, he's in 298 this year. He's getting on base at a 350 clip. His WRC plus is 137. Andres uh-huh. Jimenez, last year he couldn't stick at the big leagues. I know. So he's, he's figured it out, and he's been, I mean, I don't know, arguably the second best offensive player to Jose Ramirez on that team that's, had a really good season without Jimenez. I don't know where they'd be. I'd love to see him get a nod here and end up on the bench somehow. But um, he's just one guy I wanted to mention. Obviously, Altuve is going to start and deserves to. And I'll, yeah, like I said, Altuve deserves to start. At shortstop, Tim Anderson is leading, and I don't think he should be the all-star starter at shortstop. Yeah, but the other finalists would be worse. Uh, to me, at least Anderson's having a really good year. Like Bo Bichette being the all-star starter this year? Come on. It's he, he's in 257. I mean, his WRC plus is 101. I just, I don't think that this is a year where he should start an all-star game, but that's just me. No, I agree. But if we're talking about defense too, Bobochet has not been good defensively, but neither has Tim Anderson. Like, I think the, you the, know, the all-star This is the starter- biggest snub. Let's just say it. This is the biggest snub of everything. The fact that Xander Bogarts isn't even a finalist. That's what ridiculous. I was going to say. It should to be Xander Bogarts. Easily the best offensive player at the position, too. And if we're talking about defense, I mean, Xander Bogers is not the best defensively. He's been but better, he's certainly though. better than what Tim Anderson and Bo Bichette have been doing. Tim Anderson, I just watch him make error after error after error. I mean, we're watching White Sox games. And, you know, I'm watching with my friends or whatever. I'm like, watch Tim Anderson play defense and tell me that you believe in that glove. He doesn't have a good arm. He makes countless mistakes. The White Sox as a team are just so not fundamental and it kind of starts with tim anderson over there at shortstop tim anderson is great offensively deserves to be in the all-star game but xander bogarts should be starting at shortstop for the american league offensively defensively he's been clearly the best shortstop to me also i mean like is should tim anderson be in this above jeremy pena probably not Probably not. I mean, defensively, Pena has been awesome. You know, he filled the, the, the massive void of losing Carlos Correa incredibly well. Uh, he's having a better offensive season too. Like, like the finalist should have been Bogarts and Pena. And I think Bogarts should have started. And that's one where I think the voters just got it completely wrong. You could give Corey Seager, I guess, some love, but offensively just hasn't been quite enough, but he's just another guy I wanted to shout out because he is heating up as well. Yeah. And I'm just a big fan of Corey Seager. Yeah, he's starting to turn around after a slow start, which probably could have been related to having a massive contract. That that's a big pressure in a, in a new you know uniform and everything. But yeah, he's starting to turn around. Obviously, I don't think he's all star worthy this year just yet because it's still one away WRC plus at this point in the season. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year 
Seager was closer to the top of these leaderboards and all these offensive stats. And Rafael Devers is currently a starter at third base, and he should be the starter at third base. But Jose Ramirez, it's so close. Can they just start them both, man? I know. Can they start Devers? They should start him. They should start Jose Ramirez at shortstop. Just say screw yeah, it. Because he could he play, play it. Short. He yeah. could easily play short. They should just start him at shortstop because Jose Ramirez, maybe move him to DH. Oh, you got Jordan. It's impossible. We're going to talk about Jordan in a second. I just feel so bad. I don't know what to do because they've both been amazing. And it's there definitely. is no right answer. It's There's Rafael not. Devers or it's Jose Ramirez. So whoever you want to vote for, you should go vote for them. Both are the right yeah. answer. The voting is super, super slim. Who would you go with, though? I think I would go with Devers, but I hate the answer because for no reason, because Devers deserves it, but it just feels wrong leaving Jose Ramirez out when he clearly deserves it. Yeah, to me, it's one of those things where, like you said, there's no wrong answer. I would only lean, if you were to say, like, let's just say we made this an MVP conversation. It's kind of a different conversation, but the fact that Jose Ramirez is the only guy there in Cleveland deserves some form of recognition. I know Devers has been obviously kind of the, the big force in Boston as well, but he still has other guys around him. He's got Bogarts. He's got J.D. Martinez. I mean, we just talked about Andres Jimenez. That's been his Robin this year. Think about the difference there. Uh, Ramirez does absolutely deserve to start the All-Star game, and good chance he probably won't. So that's just how it works sometimes. That's how it works sometimes. Should we talk about – we might as well get DH over with because – It's slam dunk. <laughs> I mean, it's slam dunk. Shohei Otani is the leader right now. Jordan is the best hitter in baseball right now. It should be Jordan. And Shohei could start the All-Star game as a pitcher. Probably won't be because Shane McClanahan is standing on his head. And Shane McClanahan deserves it. But what do you do with Otani? Because Jordan deserves to start at DH. And I kind of wish they would put him in the outfield, but we're about to get to the outfield discussion. But Shohei Otani is at DH when it should be Jordan. What do you think? Again, it kind of gets back to almost the business of the all-star game, right? He's an international superstar. I mean, if you want to say he's the most popular worldwide baseball star right now, I don't know if there's really an argument against it. I mean, that's how incredible he is, what he's doing as a hitter and a pitcher. We haven't seen since Babe Ruth. So, Look, it doesn't surprise me he's leading a vote where where fans are voting. Um, But you're right. If we're talking about – it's almost like last year, right? Who was the better – who had the better offensive season, Vladdy or or Shohei? I think it was Vladdy, but you put it all together and Shohei gets the nod. There's no doubt in my mind that the best defense – the best defensive – the best defensive DH this year, the best best hitter as a DH this season in either league is Jordan Alvarez. It's not even close, and he absolutely deserves to start. But like you said, he probably won't. So just to give you a little bit of context, that 2020 season where Juan Soto became kind of the second best player in baseball, at least by most accounts, was because he put up a 200 WRC plus. We are 71 games in and Juan Soto, you know, he had a 201 WRC plus through that 60 game season. We're 71 games in the season. Jordan Alvarez is at 203 in the WRC plus department. He is hitting 313. 663 slugging. If you want to look at the Woba versus the X Woba to see if maybe he'll regress, nope. Highest X Woba in baseball. He's got a 3.9 war as a DH that far surpasses any other DH. 
Even Alejandro Kirk, who's playing a lot of catcher, is going to get the bump in war. Nope, still Jordan. He's got 25 home runs. He's walking almost as, as much as he's striking out. And if we're looking at just WRC+, plus, we talked about Garrett Cooper at 143. Shohei Otani's at 135. Shohei Otani's having a great season, pretty good season offensively. He's going to keep ticking up. Oh, the advanced numbers would say that he is. But it's Jordan, and it's not close. It's not close at DH. <laughs> Insane. We, we talk about WRC plus, you know, measuring hitters on a league average of 100. He's more than double <laughs> a league average hitter you have in your lineup. It's like getting production from two guys in one spot. That's how you know, impactful he is in his at bats. The guy's absolutely ridiculous. He is probably underpaid and he just got the, the biggest contract ever for a DH. And it, it's probably not enough money. He do you remember? Changes. You probably do remember. So I, I, I might as well just say it. But do you remember who he was traded for from the Dodgers? I don't remember. Josh Fields. <laughs> yeah. Josh I have Fields. A, dude, I have a Josh Fields signed bat. I don't know why I have that. Uh, I was at an auction for a travel baseball team that, that I played on. And I ended up, I think no one bought it. I think that's why I got it. I think they just, they were just like, hey, somebody want this. Nobody wanted Josh Fields signed bat. And unfortunately for Josh Fields, that's what he's probably going to be known for, is that you were traded from the Astros to the Dodgers in exchange for Jordan Alvarez, who is, at least right now, the best hitter in the entire sport. Before we move on from this, uh, so so Josh Fields, uh, you know, career 371 ERA. uh, In 2016, when they made the trade, I think the Dodgers regret it. He did pitch to a 279 ERA. I think that was worth it. A couple more seasons. He was solid for the Dodgers, you know, 261 ERA in three seasons. What's he doing right now? I don't know. He's been out of baseball since 2018. And I don't know. I I think maybe they'd like Jordan back. Maybe. They'd probably want Jordan back, considering Jordan would be the best hitter on their team currently. On the Los Angeles Dodgers of all a teams. team that has Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Trey Turner. Trey Turner, yeah. exactly. Let's move on to the outfield because Giancarlo Stanton, Mike Trout, and Aaron Judge, who's already been voted in, and Mike Trout is probably going to get in, and he's deservedly so. But I want to talk about the last outfield spot, at least in the American League. Because although Giancarlo Stanton has had a very good year, I'm not trying to diminish Giancarlo Stanton's year at all, but does he deserve to be the third outfielder in there? Of course Yankees fans came to vote for him. It's funny. I don't think that Julio Rodriguez should start, but Julio Rodriguez does deserve some love in the outfield. At this point, he's played 82 games and Julio Rodriguez has a 139 WRC plus and a 2.9 war. The WRC plus puts him eighth in all of baseball right behind Jeff McNeil, Kyle Tucker, Byron Buxton. And you could give it to Buxton. You could give it to Tucker as well. But I just wanted to shout out Julio Rodriguez for a moment because he's already becoming almost a superstar in his rookie year. Rookie of the year seems to kind of be in the rear view, although Jeremy Pena is also kind of having a similar type season where he's becoming more of a star rather than just a rookie having a good season. But Julio Rodriguez deserves to be in this conversation. But at least right now, I think I would give it to Kyle Tucker. And I know that's not the sexiest option, but if we're looking at WRC+, he has a 141. He's played 12 more games than Byron Buxton has too. 16 home runs, 
14 stolen bases. He walks almost as much as he strikes out. And Byron Buxton is the better defender on a per game basis. But Kyle Tucker has been a great defender this year. I feel like with how many games he's played and the production that he's put up in those games, the worst thing that you could say about Kyle Tucker is his 260 batting average. But when he has a 350 OBP and he's slugging almost 500, I don't really care. And if we're looking at big discrepancies between Woba and ex-Woba, Tucker's got it. He's going to have a great second half, just like he did last year. Kyle Tucker would be my all-star starter in the American League. Who, who would be your starter in the American League if it wasn't Giancarlo Stanton? Because Giancarlo Stanton is 10th in WRC plays. He's got 20 bombs. <clears throat> But, you know, he's not that great of a defender, and he, I wouldn't have him as a starter right now, at least. But he's been great. Yeah, he'll probably get it because of the vote. But I think I would go J-Rod. Uh, I actually wrote an article today, Julio Rodriguez making history as baseball's best rookie. There's been a lot of players in Major League Baseball history, right? ton of them. No one's ever done what Julio Rodriguez has done this year. In his first 81 career games, 15 home runs, 20 stolen bases. No one's ever done that. So I think that just gives you a taste of what he can do. And he was terrible that first month of the season. The guy has been so freaking good. I want to just go through his numbers here. Uh, you know, since the beginning of May, Julio Rodriguez is hitting 297, 352 on base, 560 slugging. All 15 of those home runs came since May. Didn't homer in April. Uh, he's an unbelievable defensive player. He is the definition of a five-tool player. And the interesting thing I found when I was writing this article is if you go back and you look at Mike Trout's rookie year, he was a rookie of the year. He was in the all-star game. You look at Aaron judge five years later, rookie of the year in the all-star game. Here we are five years after that. And you got Julio Rodriguez. To me, I think that we could be having a conversation a year or two from now where Julio Rodriguez could be right there in that type of a Mike Trout conversation. So if he's, if he has that trajectory, should we maybe see him start the game over someone like Kyle Tucker, who's great and I think totally is deserving of a start, but I don't think Kyle Tucker is ever going to reach that, that type of a height. And this so guy, man, I mean, we're talking potential, a top five player in baseball, not that far into the future here. He, he's, he's ridiculous, man. I think it's so close. I think it was so close between Tucker and, and J rod. And I think you could give the nod to J-Rod, and I don't think anybody would say that you're incorrect. I slightly went with Tucker because it just seemed that, you know, if it's so close, I got a bit higher of a WRC plus, I have a little bit more war. Yeah. Give me him, a guy who's, you know, been in the league a bit longer. Maybe he deserves but, it, but maybe not because J-Rod <laughs> has just been that type of guy. And to end it, um, because we already went over the DHs, and I think we're both in the same boat that Shane McClanahan should start this All-Star game. Have you heard my Julio Rodriguez take of who he reminds me of? I, I have not. Just a taller Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah. I it's kind of nuts. Yeah. It's kind of nuts, right? I mean, and you didn't have any pause about that. You said, yeah. I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr. is probably I, I think a top be three, top four player in baseball. <laughs> like, I don't even know. If you, if you like put a gun in my head and said, who, who's got the better next 10 years, I would just probably panic and the guy would shoot me. I have no idea, dude. I really don't know. They're both awesome. And, and the thing to me about Julio Rodriguez, I talked about that bad first month of the season. Look at where his numbers are now. And he hit 205 with an on-base percentage of 284 and a slugging percentage of 260 for the first month of the season. And he has driven his numbers all the way up to where they're in that same conversation with Kyle Tucker. So, man, this guy's so good. So good. And those were your all-star finalists. 
Go make sure that you vote for some of your favorite players, but don't just load it in Canada. We love you over there. We love you, Blue Jays fans. Stop voting, Canada. Yeah, stop voting. At least let voting. other players get in. I mean, Bobichet doesn't deserve it, Blue Jays fans. He just doesn't deserve it. I'm sorry. And you're, they're probably trying to get Kevin Biggio in there too. The voting ended, Canada. The first round was it. Don't worry about the second round. It's over. And for everybody else, the voting will be announced on Friday, so you do still have time. Make sure you go vote. And make sure you join our Chalkboard group chat. We're talking baseball all day long in our Chalkboard group chat. That link is in our episode description. As well as join me on Twitter, at PeterApple23, on Prize Picks. We do a Twitter space, which is basically kind of a live stream where we all just come in and we make our picks on prize picks and we've been doing very well if you use code just baseball you get a full match on your deposit on prize picks prize picks daily fantasy so we're playing mlb player props and it's so much fun and the great thing is if i give out five picks ryan more often than not i'm not going to hit all five but if i give my best you give your best and everybody from the baseball community comes in and gives their absolute best that's when we start to win and it's a ton of fun use code just baseball before we go plug some more of the articles that you've been writing because you churn them out like nobody's business and they're all fantastic. I can't believe I messed up this slider and splitter with Taiwan Walker at the beginning. It, I, I knew it was a splitter. I just said slider. I think I was nervous to talk to you because you've been such a phenomenal writer. Well, I appreciate that, man. I think I've kind of touched on all the recent ones. You know, I talked about J-Rod today. I wrote an article about Scherzer's return uh, yesterday. Next? What's next? I, I don't know, man. I, I'll be honest. We just got a, a new writer loaded in today. And I was like, the, what I, I was going to write about Ben Intendi. And I passed it off to him. I said, I think I'm, I'm a little burned out, man. Some of these other guys can take it from, from, from me a little bit and I can just edit it up for him. But uh, yeah, we got a lot of good stuff coming. Though. I will say that, that at, you know, at justbaseball.com, we're going to have a lot of trade deadline stuff coming. We're going to do uh, outlooks for every single team ahead of the deadline. Who are the sellers? Who are the buyers? What do the sellers have to sell? What do the buyers need? So look out for stuff like that. We're going to, of course, talk about, you know, potential trades. Everyone loves mock trades. I'm sure we're going to be doing a lot of that on this show as well. So a lot of deadline stuff ahead. This is going to be a really exciting month for us. Really exciting month. Thank you, Ryan, for hopping on. And with that, thank you, everybody.